This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've I spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of Welcome to this week's episode of the Doc and the Guru podcast. Gordon, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, re- I'm really enjoying the kind of momentum uh, that, that we're getting. I'm sorry, did I use the wrong brand name there uh, <laughs> in the show? But yeah, looking forward to it. And I think, uh, again, just thanks to all those people who have participated by posing questions, nominating subject matter for us, and those who are subscribing. So yeah, look, looking forward to another really good session with uh, our insurance this morning. Yeah, uh, Carl O from Outchurns, a CMO. Carl, how are you doing? Hello, Doug. I'm, I'm well on yourself. Yeah, and I haven't seen you for a bit, and I know you uh, joined Outchurns about eight or nine months ago, so we'll chat a little bit about that. But just before we get into it, Gordon, just to, just to echo your point earlier, thanks for, for all those questions and, and uh, interaction. And we, as we've always said, you know, the podcast is, is not a one-way thing. It's a dialogue. It's a chat. It's about people getting involved in marketing, media, and everything in between. So please, if you're out there uh, and you're keen, and you're keen to find out more, and today will be no different. We're talking to a massive brand, Outsurance, and, and Carl, who runs the marketing portfolio. But I mean, from massive brands to small brands, from challenges to market leaders, everything in between, you know, it's the doc and the guru and all things marketing and media and and all related absolutely absolutely so again uh, with without uh, taking more time on the intro carl welcome um assurance i mean it's a household name it's one of the biggest spending advertisers in the country i looked uh in in preparing for this podcast at the nielsen report of last year uh, in brands and branding for those of you who have got the book you can look it up the top spending advertisers i think you guys were at fourth position with a big chunk of change that you guys are spending and a lot of a testimonial type ads um, let's talk about that, uh, Carl, in terms of, of the well-known testimonial ads. Are they effective or are they irritating? Uh, I suppose you can ask different people and, and they all have a different answer to that. Um, to answer the question directly, uh, just on that question, 
um, it does work for us. The yeah. testimonial stuff do really, really work. Um, it's, it generates a really good call to action um, at the end of the ad. But also what it does, um, people associate themselves um, within an age band or an age group. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the Katlejo ads, you know, Katlejo is that really famous mm-hmm. uh, guy or guy that we've now made even more famous that has always been famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a wonderful actor in that, that ads. And uh, the process that we go through is actually getting real clients um, so it's they all our insurance customers they've uh, they've been on the book uh, they've 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 bought a policy with us and uh, we then go and um, sort of get these guys out of the archives and we we ask them if mm. they want to uh, perform an ad so so what we do is we try to get a nice split in terms of the demographic profile what it does um, also looking at age looking at um, um, location it, I think it's mm. it's important to do that and what we do then is um, they've got specific vehicles that um, are the big sellers in the country, you know, mm. so people associate with a Toyota Corolla, um, and the combination of all of that really, really works for us. Now, to be honest with you, um, from a pure marketing or brand advertising perspective, that on its, on its own would, I think, over time, probably maybe kill is a, is a strong word, but it probably mu- must and will diminish the brand value over time. So we do run um, uh, brand ads mm. uh, intertwined in that, um, and we allocate a fair portion of spend um, on TV and radio, etc., just on pure brand ads to just get the feel and, and the goodwill of the brand out there. Um, so that, but also then the overall marketing mix is important you know it's we're not just a tv brand um we 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 do a lot on tv obviously we do spend a lot of money there we do radio um we've got a um uh, a quite a um, uh, exhaustive outdoor strategy mm. that goes with it our outdoor strategy is pretty much all brand related so no call to action on any of those outdoor ads where i see some of the competitors do do some of that and it might work for them um, but then we also get into the sponsorship space, you know, mm. so they all build um, on the brand feel where these are the hardworking ads that make the phone mm. ring the next sure. morning. Mm. Uh, obviously, we've got a huge call center. It's like a hungry beast, you know, it's, uh, mm. and uh, I get <laughs> measured by that. If that call center is quiet, then obviously yeah. everybody looks at me again, you sure. know, so, but it's a combination, you know, um, yeah. um, I always say advertising is, um, I'm probably giving away a bit of my age. Advertising is pretty much like um, those synthesizers in the days when when we grew up. You know, that hi-fi with that massive Mm. synthesizer where you've got uh, a treble and a bass and a mid and there's like, I don't know, 40 knobs that you push up and down. Mm. So there's not one big lever in marketing that's actually going to do it. You know, so it's not just the Katlecha direct call to action profile kind of ads that's going to do it. But it's a little bit of a brand here and a little bit of something else and sponsorship on other media so it's about getting the mix right and Mm -hmm. um, over time we spend a lot of uh, effort in measuring what is the optimal levels um, and getting that right that's actually more important than anything you know so Mm -hmm. reach and frequency and effective reach and frequency is actually what we what we do target and if you got that mix right i think the leads would come in with good quality creatives that um, the customer can associate with Mm. So that reach and frequency thing, that's my cue, right, to talk yeah. media. Um, I mean, typically you would associate reach and frequency and, and particularly effective frequency and effective reach with kind of bursts of activity. So you, you do a burst, you measure its optimal performance over a month. But I get a sense more that your ads are just running on a continuous basis. How often do you track? I mean, is it literally 
are you are you in terms of your attribution model are you are you tracking it sort of ad by ad uh are you reporting media on a hourly basis daily basis i mean you know i had a discussion the other day with uh, with a competitor where i was trying to point out that you know the concept of a quarterly review when it comes to this kind of product is obsolete you you need literally you know real-time tracking how, how do you go about tracking you know what's working what's not and when have you hit a kind of a plateau and then you introduce uh, you talked about different people you introduce a different f- variant so it's a a boyki and a and a bucky versus some cute kid in a in a, a VW golf. When do you learn that the one curve is diminishing and the other one needs to kick up? Well, during the month, it's pretty much we we track leads as they come in off the sources. Now, obviously, we've got a big social media um, digital play, um, and I think the combination of that works well. So, a big focused search um, play, Google, um, the Facebook display stuff, all of that stuff gives you a sort of immediate response and those kind of things gets amplified as we see the the effect of spend on uh, the traditional media um, pick up and go down but what we've learned over time is that burst strategies for our brand doesn't really work um, and and why we say that is because uh, you need to be top of mind when the consumer is in the buying space and that could be anytime so Burst don't really work for us, you know, so even even December, which is normally a flat month um, from advertising perspective, people are on holiday and whatever. We try to keep top of mind awareness because that January when they come back and they start thinking about how do I save money, um, they need to be top of mind. So for us, it's about a top of mind strategy. So sort of a continuous effective spend that would target a effective reach and frequency. So we review it or we check it every sort of after every month. Once the report starts coming in, we check that just to see if we're still in line with our strategy. But we don't jig that very often um, during the month and obviously you know TV booking schedules two three months in advance and we do it all in-house you know so we book and make sure we spend X amount of money gets X amount of spots um, during the day that we target and make sure that that is in place when that's in place the rest starts falling into into place yeah that's very much in line with the the Ehrenberg bass thinking which is mm-hmm. coming out of Australia now which is kind of governing this continual presence the brand awareness thing is interesting the fact that you're using out of home still as a brand awareness thing it's it's intriguing for me that sophisticated mapping and modeling like you've got which is got social media and tracking algorithms and that and you still come back to that old conclusion that out of home can do a brand job for you that is old-fashioned thinking which still seems to work it does do, do a job and and, and old-fashioned thinking even more now so with load shedding you know so mm-hmm. <laughs> um people don't mm-hmm. see our tv ads yeah. all the time mm-hmm. it's becoming a b- bit of a big problem for us and speaking to some of the the our media partners um they all sit in the same position that we do and how do they justify um uh, prices or rates at this moment in time with continuous load shedding and and stage two load shedding in the evenings could be quite high so you know i think um uh, radio is playing a bigger role these days and and i think and i see brands playing a harder doing taking a harder stance on radio and and doing a little bit more there and while you're driving on that highway um we like the big boards, you know, so it's mm. this big... Yeah. Uh, they're very visible. Uh, they're visible. And with the right creative, I think it, it, it's another point where you just see the brand out there. Yeah, yeah look, I mean, don't want to hog the conversation, mm. Doc, but I mean, I think what I do like about the insurance out-of-home stuff is it's, it's designed for out-of-home. One of my big concerns on out-of-home is you've got people designing mm. billboards as if they're websites. 
Mm. You can't have 27 points of entry on a website. So I, I do love the simplicity of uh, of the billboards. Doc, I know you a lot you, you, on this brand than you yeah, No, absolutely. And I think, Gordon, I mean, not only, Carl, I know you guys do a lot more than just vehicle insurance. But, I mean, one of the obvious things is if I listen to the radio in the car and, and you spoke about radio, a radio as a medium, and then whilst you're driving, they're the billboards. So I think, you know, if you look at it uh, in terms of, and, and obviously we're not justifying your strategy, you, you know, you guys are quite comfortable. Just from a rationalization point of view, that would make sense. Well, just an interesting point, though, and, and I think maybe people picked up when you said you do your own media in-house. You also do your own creative. So you've taken your whole shop in-house at Artsurance. Let's just talk a little bit about that. Why? When did it happen? And what was the thinking behind that? Well, it's been in place for quite a few years, um, probably about six, seven years that mm-hmm. we've going that that route um, and we're going bigger and bigger in it um, obviously what what we've done is we've gone and picked out let's start off on the creative side of things uh, picked some really strong executive creative directors out of the industry uh, even famous guys that have won can awards etc mm-hmm. Rui Alves Bryn Puchert you know it's 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 known people we've brought them in house and 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 I think that what it does um, uh, it gives us the ability that they contextually understand the brand a lot better mm. and they start learning what works and what doesn't work. So that's the first thing. The other thing is the turnaround time is massively enhanced for us in the way we do it. Our velocity and obviously because of our high media spend, we need to have fresh content in all the time. So for us to and and, and pre, in previous lives, I had agencies that were highly effective you know i Mm. loved working with a lot of them but um your velocity because it's so high you continuously need to think about the next one what's coming next what's Mm. coming next and having them in house you can manage it like a a resource manage you know so Mm. it's not a so you don't do a massive creative brief and a strategy and all of that stuff Mm. so because it's inherent they after a while if they don't get the strategy then you know then there's something wrong you know Mm. so 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 they've they've got the strategy they know what work and they then go with a creative angle to find out that new great thing um so that is on the big conceptual stuff then we've got some other executive creative directors that focus on print and do the extension off the off the main tv into our print outdoor etc uh nicole benicos is in that space and then um, chris potter runs our digital side of the of the uh, creative side and the strategy associated to that and they've got a team that would now go and build and create uh, all the executions online, you know, so many banners to have the rotation and everything. Mm. So from a creative perspective, it works well. They do also all the internal stuff, all the staff comms, you mm. know. So mm. so we, we we tend to get the ability, right, to amplify this, the, the brand and the identity and the CI gets controlled quite nicely within those ranks. So that works very well for us. And then right next to them um, sits the media team. And um, there's a traditional media team that does the TV, radio, print, um, outdoor, etc. bookings. Um, so they do the planning, the strategy, the planning. They do the booking. They do the contracting. We do the negotiations. We do all of that stuff in-house mm. with, with, the, with the agency, uh, with the media partners. Same on the online space, you know. So, and we we do everything directly on the Google platform, on the Facebook platforms, etc. So we've got a lot of control. We measure, obviously, because it's in house. We try to measure a little bit different. So mm. you'll see that we do use short codes and and those kind of measurements, which gives you a highly effective ability to track um, performance. Um, obviously, inbound calls are a little bit more different difficult to track uh, because of the subjectivity you know so the agent might ask the person where did you see the ad and they would recall ah 
mm. we it was the billboard, you know, but it could have just been the TV. Mm. Um, and I know you're going to ask me the question about attribution, and I'm probably not going to have a perfect answer on that because you don't know what the attribution really worked well. But I think that if with a pervasive um, um, media strategy, always on strategy, it's there and it happens. Yeah, and I think, I mean... Uh, I love the use of the word velocity. I, I don't think I've heard you know that that phrase used in advertising ever. Advertising velocity, which is which is great, the speed of which at which things are happening. You can't kind of have long kind of you know slow cooking stuff going on. And I'm just intrigued though, at, from a media perspective, I get the in-house thing. I mean, Procter and Gamble said it when they took their media in-house. You know, we know more about buying and negotiating in, than anybody else on the planet. So I get that. Creatively, though, if Carl's my boss um, and Carl says do it this way, a little less le- you know, kind of leeway for me to say, Carl, I honestly really think you're doing this wrong. But if I'm the agency, I might have a little more latitude. How, how do you manage you know, or give space for people to push back uh, in, within that corporate culture to be able to challenge something other than, you know, rather than just implementing it? You know what, I think that's more entrenched in the way that Outsurance does things and the overall company culture. It's, mm. it's a very inclusive culture. Uh, it's not an autocratic management style. Um, it's open. Uh, we test and fail often. Um, and, it, and, and it's okay. Um, and the, the buy-in for a new ad campaign happens on all levels. Um, it's not just me making the final call. It goes up to the CEO. He checks it. He's happy with it. And then we distribute it even further. So from that perspective, it's all-inclusive. And we all carry the brunt if it doesn't work. You know, so because things don't work. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru. Proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. On the agency side, and I don't want to knock an agency, but what agencies do, they do this long strategy, you know, so, and pre- previous life I was in a bank, you know, so when McKinsey says you do it this way because the strategy says everybody does it, and I also don't want to knock McKinsey, but the research on it becomes so solid that you can't question that. That's even more difficult to question, you know, so, um, and that then sort of just happens, and normally what happens is any new creative campaign gets presented and there's five examples from YouTube and you are so preconditioned when you see that creative that it all looks wonderful, you know, mm. and then then the ad gets created um, and many of them work phenomenally and I've been involved and happy to be involved in with many awesome creative agencies that created wonderful ads, but you also, you know, get swayed a little bit by it. When it's in-house, I think it's real, you know. Um, it's not just the retainer that's at risk or whatever and, and smooth talk or whatever. These guys live and eat and they share the responsibility that I share. As a CMO, I must deliver X amount of leads. That creative guy feels it. If, it, if it's not coming in, he feels it as well. So, so they, they think about it cohesively like that. And um, yeah, and I, back to the culture. I think the culture is there. We, we won't get it right all the time. We try to get it right all the time, but uh, it doesn't happen. So yeah. Yeah, and I think, Carl, you know, I mean, I'm no expert on, on outsurance, but certainly culture is an issue that Gordon and I have spoken about on previous shows and a few weeks ago. And it's such a critical part of any business is to make sure that what you put out there to the public is actually what you live yourself. And I've certainly heard in talking with people around outsurance in preparing for the show is they, they say that there is that definite congruency. So well done. And I know it's not an easy thing and it's an always on, much like your advertising, culture isn't always on business and you've always got to grow and, 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 and build on 
on it. So well done on that. So just also, Gordon, we also spoke a few weeks back about um, that whole thing Carl's talking about now, the pain and the joy of both sides of the equation. In other words, the creative and agencies taking pain and joy when things go badly or well and the client the other way around. And I'm, and again, and I, and, you know, I've, We've all worked with big agencies, and I'm not saying the agencies don't take the pain. That's not what, and I don't think he's saying it either. But what you're saying is you're just bringing them a little bit closer to the engine of the business, you know. So it's not a downstream uh, supplier or partner, but it's actually, you know, in the engine room and, and rolling up your sleeves. Now, I can only assume that they're part of your strategy initially. It's not a document that gets delivered that they then have to read. It's, it's something that's co-created. Absolutely. It definitely happens like that. So um, the creative guys are actually part of my management team. So it's mm. not, there's not a, a, a creative director that's the boss. Those four executive creative directors are part of my management team. So okay. they sit in, we talk about staff, we talk about performance on media and return on investment and mm. leads and all of those kind of things. And we talk a lot about the creative um, and, and everybody's sort of drawn into it, you know. So um, I, I, those creative guys are not the guys get just get fed something right at the end yeah. they, they in the creation part very mm. much so yeah yeah for me i i really have enjoyed uh, you've you've talked about you know if i don't generate leads i'm in trouble kind of thing but somewhere in there as well you've also talked about there's a point when you recognize you need to do the brand building where where how do you find that magic point i mean you know between sort of lead generation which tends to suggest short-term thinking and the brand love and the brand building, which tends to be a longer-term play, very few people manage that. They seem to be one or the other. How do, how do you walk that, that line? It's probably try and test over, over time. You know, I think the brand can be built through lead generation creative as well. So we don't skimp or don't just put something quick and nasty into the, into the market. It's all very considered. Uh, the production quality is of high quality. Um, so I think that does it job for brand building in any case you know so um, if if that's the sort of the starting point then the true brand stuff the nice stories and the uh, you know the nice customer experiences or whatever it might be becomes so much easier and then the two work close with each other you can easily then probably put a call to action on the brand ad mm. and vice versa sure. you know so mm. then it's not then it's not so separate um, and that's what we try to do Look, on a, on, a, on a media spend, uh, one would, you know, you can run economic, ec econometric models and say, well, we're spending too little on brand or too much on brand. We, we don't, we've sort of got to a percentage of our total media spend that works for us. And I don't think, again, it's just on the brand spend in terms of TV. It's the, it's the pointsman that we have that does a massive job for our brand and brand love. It's our uh, rugby ref and our soccer ref uh, sponsorship, which is a brand play. You know, so that guy that sits there on a Saturday afternoon and he watches, I don't know, um, the Lions play Sharks um, and he sees the ref there in the middle of the field and, he, and he's got that good feeling about where I am in life and I'm having a nice beer and whatever and he sees our students there I think it, it connects as a brand as well you know and I, I Pointsman has been wonderful for us uh, obviously there's some issues with uh, with some of the components of the Pointsman uh, um, uh, and um, not saying it's yeah uh, it's definitely not our fault it's just political stuff that's caused some hiccups there but it's again it's not just 
TV brand should be brand. That's not the case. Mm. It's the sponsorship leg. Um, mm. Call it what you want. Uh, that that plays a major role. So yeah, I think just you know, Cole. Just and you mentioned points, but I think that is such an overt helping out phenomenon that you guys started a long, long time ago. What is the latest with Pointsman? I think, you know, I've read it's on and it's off and it's got to go to tender. What is what is the latest on that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I, there, <there's laughs> I can go a couple of routes, the political correct way or just as it is. But in any case, we've been running Pointsman for 13 years. There's two major contracts, uh, the one with Tuane Metro and the one with uh, Johannesburg City. Um and we run it as such. We've got an independent third-party company that we sponsor, and they run it. So they go and do contracting. They do the service levels. Obviously, we're a insurance company. We don't want to, you know, uh, get people up and uh, and teach them how to ride motorbikes. But in any case, so mm. the pointsman, um, so that, that's how it's structured. The one fundamental from the pointsman perspective, which for us has always been a no, uh, uh, one of the features, is that everybody they employ must shouldn't be previously employed you know so we've mm. created jobs so mm. many jobs these guys on the motorbike so that's nice it's a it's a csi kind of thing and you know what i think the cities have in a dire need of these kind of services because of load shedding and whatever the other stuff might be so i think from our perspective we've done a lot now it's been going for a long time a couple of years ago two three years ago um the city of Johannesburg said, well, you know, it can't just be awarded even though there's no money flowing. So mm. there's no money ever between us and the and the um, city. Um, they said, let's let's take it to, to tender, get other people to bid for it. And that in itself for me is weird. Um, mm. And that process would just sort of muddled along for quite some time. Eventually to a case where our contract um, ran out. Um, the extensions came and every two or three months it got extended. But you can't run a business like that because we've got people that we employ, etc. And eventually the contract ended. We had to then scale down, cut all the Joburg guys out of the business. And, you know, obviously they were on contract basis, mm -hmm. but suddenly those people don't have jobs. And now the, now the city wants to revive it. Uh, we are very keen to participate um, again. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great value proposition for us as a brand, but also giving back to the to the community. I, I think it's really needed. So we are very, very keen to participate again, but obviously with some sort of rules. Mm -hmm. We, we want to be in it for a long time. You know, so I cannot sit there with a contract that's going to expire or renewed every two, three months. That's impossible to run a business like that. You employ people, staff, clothing, um, motorbikes, etc. So, so that's sort of where we are. That the Tswane one is going perfectly. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing wrong with that. And and I think we've just got a new three-year renewal on that one. But the city of Joburg one is still up in arms, and uh, there's now we've been invited to to put a proposal forward. So things mm -hmm. might happen. Yeah. We hope so. We really hope so. Um, yeah. Do you? I mean, do you? Uh, intuitively. Uh, yeah, I would have to believe the insurance uh, pointsman, you know, contributes to the brand. I certainly have a favorable disposition because of that kind of initiative. Do you track it? Can you see? Is there a, a line of sight, or is we, it just we, something you do by intuition? We just do that by intuition. Yeah, there's not there's not a tracking behind that, and we've been doing it for so long, so it's become synonymous with the brand. I think we own it, which is mm. great. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things that. Uh, is so necessary for for all those reasons you mentioned, Carl. So you know, again, you know, from us, from our side, and I think maybe Gordon's nodding. So we, you know, we wish you well in in hopefully you know getting rewarded that and uh, and one can move forward and and do 
your bit for the country, you know, because a lot of, I mean, a lot of companies do CSI initiatives that I'm not sure they they just tick box exercises. You know, they they probably feel good in the day and and and, but it's like chewing gum. I mean, eventually there's no more flavour. You know, where you've got to get something that is sustainable and certainly something that has been going for such a long time uh, and so prominent, good for you, but also good for for the motorist in terms of traffic flow, etc. Yeah, and the chewing gum, you know. Be surprised at how long chewing gum keeps its flavor. So I don't know if I should go down this route, but I, I, I you know, like Donald Trump misspeaks. Um, I mislistened this morning, I think, because I was hearing the new payoff line or something like Chencha Dai Ding, whatever. But I mislistened because I kind of heard Ching Ching, which is actually the last thing that you want me to hear. Um, is that is yeah. that something you're aware of? Uh, who who picks that up? Is no, that, it's definitely change it, I ding. Okay, um, change. Okay. And 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 it's a it's a, a township language, um, and those words come from. And I, look, I'm Afrikaans, so uh, so I battle with understanding all of those nuances. But um, okay, you know what? We involve staff as well, yep. and um, um, we'd like to get these payoff lines going, and we invite staff to to put that forward. And and this thing came from staff. Um, just as the previous one, we had Chakcha and mm. um, uh, Kenako Yachako was the previous one. Um, so the staff proposed that there's a voting kind of thing, and the guy that's done that, he's, uh, he's a bit of a hero um, mm. in that mm. space. Um, but uh, we also, it's also a catchy thing, you know, so Change the Daideng is, yeah. uh, mm. is quite, uh, quite catchy. Uh, so, again, just uh, as we begin to kind of wrap it up, um, how do. Uh, how do folks get in touch? Well, obviously, if I want to get a policy, I'll go online. But I mean, with you, uh, generally speaking, if I am a media partner out there, how do I get in touch with you? Can you would just track you through CMO on the website? Is yeah, there, look, look, I'm on LinkedIn. Oh, you've got a social, you're on LinkedIn, yeah, so we can message yeah, you on LinkedIn yeah, and get yeah. you involved via that route. Yeah. And then uh, more selfishly, we had, uh, you know, last week we had the Amasa Advertising Media Association guys in here. Uh, primary objective there being training I would love to have someone like yourself addressing agency media agencies to say look this is what we do this is why we think we're better at you than doing it and this is what you need to learn would you be available because I think it would be a huge thing for people to understand what they're up against Um, look the model works for us you know so I I don't think it's going to work for every single company Um, there's a couple of things we do spend quite substantial amount of money so that makes makes the cost absorption of the resources to do the media stuff make sense same as with the creative so that's the first part the because of the high media spend our velocity in terms of new creative needs to be high so that makes it all Mm. you know so i wouldn't say any smaller company should just go out and do that um i think there's agencies out there that are exceptional you know so creative agencies that would do a massive job in terms of amplifying or lifting existing brands um i think we've got to that stage where it makes sense for us over the last couple of years we didn't start there um some companies are moving towards that but they get they're going to fail because you know to to get um uh, google just that platform humming you need some serious uh, capacity uh, mm. behind that you know so and that's where agencies are good you know because they shared resources and it's going to cost a lot less so it, it will work for some and it won't for other. But yeah, willing to share our views. Carl, thanks for, for coming in. I've re- really enjoyed it. Uh, fascinating. And 
Doc, I'm going to leave it to you to wrap up. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Carl, again, as I say, always nice seeing you and chatting. And thanks for your openness and, and frankness. You know, it's a, as I said, such a big, such a prominent brand uh, and so many lessons that one could learn. And, and as you say, sometimes it's what to do and sometimes what not to do. So, you know, just the, the in-house agency is a big example of sometimes that's what other brands should not do. So, you know, the lessons are on both sides. A of, lot of it is try and learn and course, test and fail yeah. and, and then sort of, take a new route um, it's working for us but it's great though that your culture allows for that you know Carl, because a lot of companies are fear-based culture and autocratic culture top-down culture a culture where if you fail you're gonzos you know and so you're almost too desperate and you get into a state of desperation to just do something whereas you know what i'm hearing from you it's it's very different you're saying it's it's a participative uh, open culture it's, and that's very flat you know and, mm. and the ability to, to speak to people at all levels even to the ceo is you just walk up to the, you know, it's open door policy. There's, we don't even have offices in the building. You know? mm. So, mm. so you walk up to the CEO and says, "I've got this new idea concept. What do you think?" And and that's how you move forward. So, so the turnaround time, the approval process, and the inclusion process is different. So, yeah. and it works for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you say, you know, sometimes it's horses for courses. You need to find out what works for you. And you know, Gordon, as we've said in previous weeks as well, sometimes you know the skill you have to know what you know and what you don't know, and then close that gap in terms of skills. So, I mean, clearly you guys through, uh, you know, uh, trial and error amongst other things and science have found out what works for you. Carl, again, in closing, thanks very much from, from our side for the time you've taken. Uh, and then for the listeners out there, please get hold of our insurance, uh, either on their web directly or on one of our platforms to find out more about uh, the lessons you can learn. Participate in the conversation, as Gordon and I always say. Um, we're open to discussion, dialogue. Thanks for all the questions we've got so far. We welcome more. Uh, and from our side, we're only trying to improve uh, the industry for the, for the greater whole. So again, Gordon, I'll catch you next week. Catch you next week. And, you know, in the old advertising tradition of steal with dignity, share with a smile, with Doc and Guru podcast, you always get something out. And so that was another episode of the Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.